I'm doing a residency at the Invisible Picture Palace www.invisiblepicturepalace.com go to events and then go to residencies and you'll see Getting Better Acquainted Live which is happening from the 16th till the 21st of November and they're going to be live conversations done in front of an audience places are limited there's not very much space inside that greenhouse so get onto the website and book yourself a place it's absolutely free to come along but there are limited places and so you don't want to chance it to come in along on the night there will still be some held back so there'll be some available on the door but it's first come first served by then so if you want to guarantee that you can be there for one of the conversations book now And so what we decided to do was avoid winter for as long as we can. And you can do that in a place like Australia because you can drive into a different... Oh man, yeah, um, okay. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. Today we're getting better acquainted with Ruben. Hello, Ruben. Hello. This is quite cool, actually, because I'm sort of standing up. <laughs> I don't normally stand up for an interview. Oh, yeah. It feels kind of cool. And, I mean, I'm standing up, I should say, because we're in your art studio. Yeah. This is one of the shows I really wish was a video show. This studio is a really nice visual environment to be in that they can't hear. That's a pleasant way to describe a mess. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an artistic mess, though, isn't it? It's like all of the different bits and pieces over each other and scattered about are all interesting rather than messy in a kind of unpleasant way, like a house gets. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we're in your studio in Stokescroft in Bristol. So the first question that I ask is, how do you know me? How do I know you? Yeah. I met you through said.fm, which was a web app, which I was working on for mm, around about eight months in London. And I don't know if you remember, we were trying to make a sort of Spotify-style experience for podcasting yep. so that people can find good podcasts and then continue their journey of discovery and do that in a, an enjoyable way, not in a a meta, boring search web related sort yeah, of Yeah, absolutely. And we sort of did it, I think. It was a good app. It was a, yeah. Yeah, it was a nice, it was a really nice yeah, website. And, and I didn't, I don't think I saw the app, but... No, sorry, I mean the website, the uh, app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. well, oh yeah, that's, that, that's Coda talk. Yeah. <laughs> we'll probably get into that later. Yes. I definitely remember ZFM. Abdul and Aisha were one of the early guests on this show. Oh, good. And then that's also awesome. Frank and Emma were both people I met through said FM who were like me um, I think we were called story jockeys for a bit um, we were like people to find good podcasts and put them into kind of bundles as kind of examples of mm-hmm. what's great about podcasts and kind of an extra feature you you get kind of people's recommendations kind of curated yeah. recommendations yeah kind of a decent podcast mixtape really. exactly yeah. yeah and so I was one of those people along with Emma and Frank and Matt it's been weird, really, because I recorded all of the conversations with them when said FM was a going concern. Mm-hmm. But by the time I put each one of them out, like when I put theirs out, there'd been the development of they changed it to Super Owl. I mean, it's on hold, I think, the project for them for a bit. Cause they just had a baby. Yeah, uh, that's congratulations, right. if they're <laughs> listening. But now it's Super Owl, so people can check it out at Super Owl if they want to see what they're doing. But it kind of meant that the conversations I had with Frank and Emma had to edit a lot to not put out misleading information about like, okay. said FM. Like, so I didn't want people to listen and go, oh, that sounds cool, I'll download, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this is the first one from a, a said FM person that I've done after it's all gone down and it's no longer sort of happening in the same way it was. Yeah. So you were doing... I did what I do for a living, which is the design, essentially. So they came to me with said FM as it was, and I worked with them from kind of creating a brand for it, a nice logo and things like that, so that it was a bit more visually appealing, and then redesigning the website as it was to be more visually appealing as well. And then following that, we sort of took a couple of steps back and worked on the experience side of what that website would be, so how you come and approach finding content on ZFM and your sort of journey of discovery 
we sort of took a step back and sort of reshaped that, I guess, rewrote the route that you could possibly take. The second question I ask people is, what do you do now? So I guess okay. we're kind of answering that question at yeah, the moment. Yeah. As far as I understand it, the two things that you do are you, you're a visual artist but then you're also aware of coding and how the internet functions. Is that right? Yeah. I do quite a lot of different stuff, really. Yeah. Maybe because I've got a very short attention span or <laughs> I'm just generally interested in things. But in that context, in the context of web design and, and things like that, you have designers like me who are often, I think, firstly, a visual person. And secondly, you know, having that knowledge of the technical aspects, code and things like that, is as important as knowing the practical aspect of anything. You have to know how to create something nice which will actually function properly. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's what I do. I think it's kind of a trend. I know a few people who have their foot in those two camps. Mm. And it seems to me that a lot of people these days are working with, and I think you do this, with very non-digital techniques like screen printing and silk printing and biros, using biros or felt tips or things like that. But they're melding that with the internet to give the internet a very non-digital feel. Yeah. I mean, that seems to be what you're doing. Yeah, that's. I do that a lot at the moment. I think I do it because I'm not that in love with digital, clean interfaces. Yeah. An iPhone, for example. Yeah. Um, I just showed you this old one that my friend's just given me. Uh, I've not had one for some reasons that we talked about. Like, it, I didn't want it to affect my life and for me to be emailing 24-7. But I probably haven't got it because I don't find the the clean sort of... It's, it's a very technical-looking product. It's very digital-looking and that just doesn't appeal to me, and I just, it's not an object that I really want yeah. in my life. Going back to the taking non-digital things and bringing them online, scanners and yeah. things like this have become much cheaper. But it's kind of commercially driven as well. Lots of people ask me to do that sort of stuff based on what they've seen, because either they've seen the value in it or... Maybe it's a little bit novel. It's a moment. trend at the moment, isn't yeah, it? It's definitely yeah. a kind of growing thing that yeah. people are kind of liking. It makes it stand out at the moment. Mm. And I guess it makes corporations look a bit more organic. I guess it could do, yeah. I think, you know, you relate to everyday objects yeah. a lot. And uh, rarely is the world you live in as clean and crisp as that one inside your computer screen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do it almost kind of because I find it limiting looking at a screen and I... I can't figure out what I need to do, what I could do, which would be nice within this sort of tunnel vision that I have in front of me. Whereas working by hand, you can work on as large or as small a piece of paper with whatever instrument you want. You're going through ideas much more quickly and discovering different things. So in a lot of ways, it's just easier. (laughs) well yeah I can imagine does it feel more natural yeah because I speak to a lot of musicians who have that complicated feeling about when you play an instrument live compared to when you're programming a sequence of notes Mm -hmm. on a computer screen that we're losing something of the natural improvisational element of creativity kind of gets lost I'm a musician too any sort of art thing a massive part of the enjoyment is what a lot of people call the beautiful mistake thing yeah where you go, holy shit, that's great, I didn't even try, I don't know how that happened, yeah. you know, quick, save exactly. it. And that regularly happens a lot more when you're doing stuff by hand, I find. It's quite interesting, because I'd say people from all different branches of the arts who've come onto this programme have talked about having to deal with that dynamic now because of the new things that the digital age offers us. Mm. You also have to deal with moving away from that sense of being able to make mistakes naturally and organically, but also there's just a, a physicality to making art or music or even writing like I spoke to my dad's friend he was talking about how he liked to write on a typewriter because it made a physical movement and sensation and he didn't like the change from typewriters to word processors because suddenly it wasn't physical you didn't have a smell and he was talking about he does filmmaking as well and he said it was the same problem with film when it went digital he he used to like the smell of the the film and cutting things and I imagine it's the same with art you you smell the pens you smell you physically you do yeah yeah and you the thing with that is that it's so much more feedback than you get from a digital device. And, you know, you attribute so much more to it. So you can come back 
I mean, the way my work goes is that I'll get quite busy with a particular project and then I won't get to do screen printing for a month or something. Right. And then I'll come back to it and I'll start working again on some half-finished prints and things and the smell sort of... And it's the whole situation that I'm in sort of all comes back and, and I'm back into where I was with those prints and I feel like I can carry on with that same idea I had. Ah. It's sort of easier to relate back to where you were whereas kind of with computer-based work, I find very often, as a graphic designer, you do a lot of project-based works and just nature of different projects, you'll do a sprint for two months and then you might not see it again for three or four months until you know somebody's come back to you for whatever else they need. It can often be a little bit harder to get your head back into what it was. You know, it's, yeah, I can it's, see that. It's not as natural. You do so, but... It's not quite sort of so surprising. I think that's something that crosses over into all the arts. Again, I should think that kind of sense. It's, it's always hard to. You need something to get you back to where you were. Yeah. Like writing, they talk about always finish in the middle of a sentence, so oh, okay. that when you come back, you kind of go straight into it. Whereas if you have a full stop, then you come back to a full stop, yeah. and you're like, where was I? How was I? And you don't have a way in as, as much. That's I don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> I think you know people talk about it. I always think it's a really good idea, but then I, I never, I never manage to do it. Mm. I, I always want to finish the sentence, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's true. Especially if you've got a particularly great ending yeah. to that sentence. I'll probably forget the ending. You know, yeah. that's the thing. <laughs> Looking at my iPhone right now to have a look at my list of things to talk about. One thing we should say is we've only met maybe what twice before now. Yeah, I think so. We've yeah. sort of emailed communication yeah. a little bit in ZFM and a little bit to arrange this yeah. I think I met you at um, Abdul and Aisha's we had a little it, launch bash the launch and it was yeah. the, we, we watched Radio Days by Woody Allen didn't we was that that's right yeah we projected it yeah yeah. that yeah. was really nice actually I liked that film as well that I hadn't liked cool. a Woody Allen film before that <laughs> what, what actually stands out to me I've forgotten that we'd watched that film was that we projected Mighty Mouse onto the wall of their flat, uh, and um, yeah. at the beginning, was it that was at the start? Wasn't yeah, it? and I would sort of realise how high art Mighty Mouse was. It was Mighty Mouse. Yeah, it yeah, was Mighty Mouse. The British one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Visually, that that's an amazing piece of work. That show. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, the the colours of Mighty Mouse are quite kind of similar to a lot of the colours that people use yeah. in in what I see as a slightly new movement of this kind of felt tip pen and bright colours yes. and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, and it was very clean very often, and some of the stuff they did kind of fat experimental but I think it was part of the finance behind it and stuff but some scenes would just be Mighty Mouse isolated on a very straight blue, green, orange, bright background yeah. and then it would flip back to the more detailed scene it's, it's really interesting yeah. the uh, artistic gift that being short of money yeah. often gives things yes. isn't it? Yeah. you don't think at the time when you're doing it you just make the concession because you haven't got the time to worry about it and you've got the, the finances aren't there and then yeah. when you actually come to look at it you go oh Actually, that's you know cool. that was that's much better. It's yeah. like when bands finally get into the studio and their next album has no kind of soul to it. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. Too much polish and yeah. Yeah, yeah. When do you remember getting into art? I mean, when? What's your earliest artistic memory? I guess. Um, <laughs> I think it comes down to Neil Buchanan. Art attack. Art attack. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, kids in school used to take the mickey out of me I probably used to come into school like yabbering about it and stuff but um, I just thought it was amazing and he's probably the reason for my pen fetish because on the stage set they had these like giant markers they did yeah coming out of the ground and it was like whoa and he used to do those amazing I guess they just got a crane or something yeah he'd be out in a field and he'd make a picture from up above out of whatever yeah it was all plotted out but it looked yes. like it wasn't that yeah, was yeah. The, that's the key to those sequences yeah. weren't they yeah like you'd build a, a picture out of baked bean tins or something yeah. on the floor and then you'd, you'd crane up and you'd go wow that's, yeah. that's the picture he wanted it's, to do you know? yeah 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 so that's probably I think I remember back then that was when I used to get into um, my stepdad at the time had got a um, 386 Windows PC and he was a very patient dude and he'd been doing some drawing in paint drawn this curl you and it was amazing and then he would show me the graphic capabilities of this 8-bit or 16-bit whatever it was what did he draw yeah, a curl you is a uh, bird ah I thought it was the, I thought it was the yeah. bird but then yeah. I was like am I being am I, am I being <laughs> stupid and it's something else yeah. actually the level of patience he had with 
the mouse and the crappy computer he had, he probably could have gone on to be quite successful artistically, <laughs> I think, because nobody else could have bothered to do that, you know. How old were you when Neil Buchanan in that and, and your stepdad's I? I was piece in, of work? I was in Standard 2, they called it, in Cardiff, so... Uh, um, how old are you then? Eight? I don't know, because I came to Cardiff when I was in year eight, so oh, okay. I missed that. Well, if you work, work back from year seven, which is when you're ten, Standard 2 would be... Yeah, two or three years before that, so seven or eight, yeah. Yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah. And so was it from then onwards you sort of found yourself drawing more? I think so, yeah. I've always been fairly lazy with what I should be doing and not as proactive as I should be. I remember several years later, sort of year nine, my arts teacher telling my mum, you've got to get Ruben smaller pads of paper and pens and stuff and he has to keep it on him all the time because he's good but he's just not doing it enough. And sure enough she got me them and sure enough I did didn't do a lot with them (laughs) Um, and then what I got into weirdly I don't know why this happened or how this happened I got into watching cartoons and drawing them as I was watching them okay so I used to sit and watch Beavis and Butthead and um, draw pictures of them and stuff like that and I got fairly good at recreating them like for like right that was probably when I was about Sort of 13 or so you just needed something to be occupying your brain at the same time as you I were think so. yeah I think I'm actually and I do it here when I can is I I have something passive going on right to help me concentrate I guess a little bit so more. I mean that's <laughs> your, the radio was on when I came is that an yeah, example of that? yeah and I've got another laptop sometimes I'll put DVDs on and stuff and I won't watch them and perhaps that's why I have such a, a messy wall of half finished work there <laughs> It probably comes down to actually, you know how your best ideas are when you're driving or, yeah, or something yeah. like that? Well, yeah, I find that quite distinctly. Or I, I don't drive, but I get it. A lot of my best ideas come, I find, when I'm travelling, mm. when I'm on a mm. bus or yes. that sort of thing. Yeah. It's really, yeah, it's 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 amazing. when Or sh- showers. That, yeah, that is definitely. totally, like it's a cliche, but it really, yeah. Yeah. nearly all my good ideas come in the shower. Yeah, yeah I think it's that, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, getting getting your mind, tricking your mind almost to not pay attention. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, it's kind of like having a puppy or something. You're like you know, look at that, play with play with that for a minute whilst I do something. You know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I bumped into you in Bristol the last time I was in town. Actually, oh, that's right. That was the last time I saw you when that was at St Paul's Carnival. Yes. I was coming back from it, and you were going. I think were you going to it or I was. I was. I think, yeah, we were just getting into it, or maybe I'd been there for a couple of hours. Yeah, that's right. St Paul's is it's an intense experience, yes. I found. It's really interesting and great, and there's some good people there, but it's also, there's you know pockets of slightly dangerousness going on, yeah. and it's quite intense. Yeah, uh, there's... Yeah. Um, it's fine in the day, in the kids' section, where I was most of the time, but yeah. yeah. It's a straight and like, heady sort of mix of quite liberated people sort of drinking in the streets and and stuff like that and doing other things which ordinarily wouldn't happen which is what carnivals are but also you might wander into one aspect of it and the the atmosphere might just be a little bit different yeah yeah i went through an area like that yeah and i mean suddenly there's just all the atmosphere sucked out and there's just a lot of men looking <laughs> tensely at each other yeah. it feels a little bit like you've walked into the end scene of the good to bad and the ugly. <laughs> like everybody's like mm, there's that male energy of ev- being really aware of where everybody else is in yes. space yeah, yeah. you know and yeah. you suddenly walk into it and you're like <clears throat> okay i'm like a lamb that's yeah. walked into a, a place that of lots of carnivores yes and i need to get out yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a, i mean my case i was a fairly drunk little lamb as well so yeah. you're very aware that you might not be presenting yourself like the way you need to so yes. it's kind of yeah you know I was in a similar situation edge away but um but I guess that, that's probably part of it too it's probably why it's so kind of all-encompassing and why you sort of yeah it's and I, I love the way that the houses get changed into yeah. stalls like yeah. people just 
open their back door yeah. and start selling stuff, homemade food, and that stuff's great. Yeah. And it's great food there, actually. Is it this weekend uh, last year, actually? Because it's I not don't know. happening this year. Is it, oh, because there was some someone got killed, or uh, well, yeah, I think that happens every year. Really. I th- yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, I think it's a financial. I think they probably because. Yeah, they probably need more and more police each year. They feel. Um, Perhaps they should try having less police and see if it makes any difference. Indeed, I think it would <laughs> probably make either no difference or uh, be better. Yeah, yeah. You live in Bristol, obviously, because that's where we are now and that's where I last saw you. But, I mean, on the way to the studio, you asked where, like, where I came from and I said I'd, I'd been, mentioned I'd been in Cardiff. You said you're from Cardiff and you were yeah. saying about Cardiff. Now, were you, were, you, what, were you born in Cardiff? No, actually, like you, I'm from a lot of different places okay um, that's cool there's not many of us about I was yeah. a, a fellow traveller yes yeah I was born in Sussex in um, Shoreham by sea but my father's Canadian so I'm one of three of kind of first group of kids and um, we went back to Canada moved around Ontario a little bit London oh, cool. Ontario and then my parents divorced so we came back and that it's from there, really, that we moved a lot, because my mum was a single parent, so we, we were in the Lake District for a while in Ambleside, which is where her side of the family are from. And then we went down to Kent for their work, for my mum and my stepdad's work. Lived in several different places in Kent. We moved house every year for several years. Sussex, then to Wales. Moved around Cardiff a fair bit, but I was essentially there for sort of ten years. Ah, right. So yeah. I mean, at Cardiff was where I, I worked out the other day. I've been getting the numbers wrong. I always get my ages wrong and stuff. <laughs> but uh, I think I went there when I was about twelve, thirteen, and I left when I was eighteen. So I, okay. was, I was there for the my teens. Yeah, but I, I'd say to people that's where I'm from. Yeah, that's yeah. why I would say if I had yeah. to pick. Yeah, and it's a pain in the ass having to say everywhere else well yours is even more like you went to more places than mine I'm like Norfolk small village in North Wales Coventry Cardiff and then I went to Lancaster for uni whereas you've got even more you've got and you've got different continents and (laughs) you're really uh, top trumps in me do you feel though even though you'd say you're from Cardiff like do you feel that you are from Cardiff completely or do you always find that you're slightly outside because that's what I find yeah yeah I, I don't I call it home and I say that's where I grew up I don't say I'm Welsh, you know. Yeah, and I that don't, would be a mistake. I, I don't really I, say I'm from Cardiff too much, so I try to be quite specific. You know, I grew up there. Where, what age did you go? I think it was my eighth birthday when we left Kent. So, yeah, most of primary school and high school. And how old are you now? 31. Wow, so we would have been in Cardiff at the same time growing oh, yeah. up. Yeah, because oh, I'm okay. 30, right? Oh, okay, yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, you're like, you're in my best mate's year at school. Okay. Most of my best mates are from that year, or all the year above. So I guess we were probably going to the same, like, we're probably, like, we were probably in the same places without yes. knowing each other. Did you go to the Angel Tavern? Yes. And did you um, go to, like, Metro's? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. See, <laughs> it's like, obviously we must Shaping. have been. Well, yeah, because, like, we're both sad. slightly alternative people, at least slightly. I'd say probably <laughs> quite alternative papers. <laughs> so we'd have to be in those places, because yeah. that's the only places. I mean, oh, I don't know, maybe you just, went to the... Did you ever go to a Toucan Club? Yes. Yeah, yeah Club yeah. Evil, like the Welsh Club? Yeah. yeah. Was, oh, yeah. I said, Regular. I never call it Club Evil Bach. Uh, but... <laughs> No, no one in Cardiff ever calls it cl- the actual name, do they? It's no, just the no. Welsh club. Club, some of them started calling it now, it's oh, interesting. But yeah. everything's changed since yes. I was there, like Braz now a Bre. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's going on with that? That's just gone right weird. Yeah. yeah. Stuff like that. So we like, had a parallel childhood. I've got this yeah. with a, a guy I used to be in a band with, actually. Uh, he played trumpet in my band, Ollie, and he, he's the same. He's from Cardiff. He, he, went, he lived in Fairwater, and I went to Cantonian, so I went oh, to okay. school in the same... Place that he my lives. You must, you must know my brother, potentially. Maybe Ben. Ben, he's a year older than me, so he'd have been two years above you. He'd have been in my. Actually, that that's that is the year of my best friend. I always forget that he went back two years. Yeah, I bet he he'd know him, but I probably yeah. didn't. Yeah. He'd know me. Yeah. Like he would definitely know me. I tell you why, <laughs> because when I was at school, I had I I was like severely bullied. It was traumatic, but I. Uh, I got given the nickname Melvin, okay. and it stuck in a horrific way, whereby everyone in the school called me Melvin. Like when I went oh. through the through the corridors, people went Melvin, Melvin, and people, really? people spat on me, all sorts of shit. It wasn't fun, but it's kind of like a mixture between bullying and 
being a scapegoat in yes yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I didn't like it but I mean, it's probably my fault as well like I, the way I reacted wasn't uh, nah I think that canteen was a shit school I, I don't <laughs> know I mean like one of my best friends there I like some of the teachers but you may be right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like he would know me though because like there's probably not one person in the school that didn't know me at that time I mean I can't say I enjoyed this kind of the kind of celebrity I had, but that was that was the case. Yeah, yeah. I went to the I went to Fitzalan, which is the ah my large. my little sister went to Fitzalan okay. when she left Cantonian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I I managed to sort of fly under radar. I hope. Um, See, everyone said Fitzalan was worse than Cantonian. Yeah, I know. That a lot of people said that. Maybe it's just my extremely, you know, passive nature and, and stuff. But I seem to manage to not get too heavily hassled. I mean, I was by no means cool or respected, um, but got by and stuff. Managed to cause trouble of my own without sort of being interfered with. Yeah, or yeah. doing it with people who are getting into serious trouble. Ah, <laughs> that's the yeah. best way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Medium trouble. Yeah, that's what <laughs> exactly. you need. That's what that's the healthy like the, that's why I always think parents should be pleased if their children are getting into medium trouble. That's yeah, yeah. like a healthy position for a kid to be in, but Absolutely. serious trouble or no trouble. Yeah, yeah, you probably yeah. should look at that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so long as they're getting away with it on a regular basis, I think it's important <laughs> part of life. <laughs> quite yeah that's really interesting that you had a kind of parallel teen years I mean I love Cardiff I love the city I mean mm. I, I love it yeah, I didn't enjoy my school experience but I can put that in a separate box yeah yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah that's weird and now you're in Bristol you've moved to Bristol like my mum did I wonder when I left for you and she moved here I've only been here two and a half years so I left Cardiff and I travelled for two and a half years where did you go? I went I took a camper van around Europe, the plan being to spend a year in Europe in this van. The van wasn't so good. And then uh, we kind of got down to the south of France, north Spain, and um, I was doing so many running repairs on this van on a daily basis that we might have sold this van when we shouldn't have to some people because it wasn't the best van. But anyways, we used the money <laughs> and we went to Australia. We went there for... Three, maybe six weeks, and we stayed for two years. <laughs> wow. Yeah. How did you finance the initial kind of van going? I always wish I'd done something like that until a year out. But. Um, I'd actually I credit carded a previous vehicle <laughs> and then sold that and then bought this van. All right. Uh, prior to that, from the age of 17, I, I always had cars, my, my dad and my brother, all kind of into cars, so I had I had an old Capri, I had an old Comma van, a Volkswagen Transporter, blah blah blah. And before before I'd started working, I didn't go to uni. I kind of had this period of time where I didn't have any skills or anything, and I used and I had this old Capri, and I used to work for a, an old mechanic and help him scrap cars, just go and pick up cars. He'd tow this car with me in it, with the exhaust hanging off, and we'd take it to a scrap heap and do that. And so I financed the renovation of this van by going back and helping him scrap cars, and in return he would do a load of bodywork to this van and ah. stuff and things like that. So wow. I spent six months doing that, kind of where I could and stuff. Where in fact, where I'm, while I'm thinking of it, it's a digression, but so I want to carry on from where we were. But whereabouts in Cardiff we, did you live? I lived in Canton. Oh, see, I was in Canton. Oh, really? Victoria in, Park. And ah, I was in like Kings Road. Okay, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, and yeah. like Sophia Gardens was rel- relatively near yeah. there, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Canton. Weird, this is even weirder, actually. And my parents moved to Lander Village for the <sighs> last couple my, of years. See, this is what I was thinking, because your accent, your Cardiff accent, is really like, when it comes, because you're, you're like me, it comes and goes, <laughs> but it's really like my, my best mate Alex's accent, and he lived in Canton, and his nan oh, okay. lived in Lander, so yeah, those yeah. are the two places he had. Whereas my friends from Ely, because I spent most of my time in Ely. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. <laughs> well, I had friends there. Survivor. Uh, well, no, I, yeah, I lived in Canton and I just, I was, a, I, I commuted to uh, Ely. You chose to yeah. go, wow. Well, okay. that's where my friends are. <laughs> but, you know, it was, it, I got some time for Ely. It's, 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 a, it's an area with a lot of social problems, but, it, you know, there's a lot of nice people there too. Mm. But anyway, their accent is so different. 
Yeah. That yeah. it's really interesting that region, there's regional accents even within Cardiff. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, the, sure. the Canton accent is really different from Ely, I think. It is, yeah, yeah. And the, the Roth sort of splot accent is very different. I too. never thought about that when I lived there. Do you know what I mean? I no. never noticed it. But now, it's like it's, I don't hear it as much. So when I hear it, I'm like, ah, where's that? I'm trying to place your accent. Like, yes. And I got it. Yeah, yeah. I, I did. I started to realise as I got a bit older, uh, this mechanic I worked for, we were in Splot a lot, yeah. <laughs> and we we go and drink, you know, after work and stuff, in sort of pubs, which very local, Z I guess is the way you describe them, and I sort of learnt to ham up the accent when I needed to yeah. to kind of sound, uh, you know, you go into a, a place and you might feel aggressively different, so you just naturally look for ways to sort of fit in just a little yeah, bit, yeah, absolutely, um, especially when you're sort of. 18, 19, and massively intimidated all the time. Yeah, so, <laughs> I bet, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so... But yeah, I, I sort of learned how to uh, ham up the regions a little bit. Wow. <laughs> and so you saved up that money and you went around Europe and <laughs> that... You, your van worries, I, I, I feel a lot of sympathy for it. My, my friends uh, got a van uh, to drive around places with their two children and they were they, their idea was to drive around everywhere and they've had such hassles with it it's such a nice idea but the actual practicalities of it yeah uh, you're so dependent on the engineering of it a vehicle that you don't have to worry about that's the ideal isn't it we we bought this very cute it's beautiful sort of um it's a 1981 toyota hiace rio camper van amazingly it, it came out of the factory on the day that I was born in 1981, which is oh, wow. the day I was born, this man was born, which was hilarious, and um, I was in better shape than it by the end. But the other thing we found, yeah, anyways, was this was very cute, but actually when you're living on the road, and we had everything we had with us, and I had my laptop with me because I was still sort of freelance designing here and there, you, everything's there in this very sort of cutesy little van, and after six months I thought, next time I do this, if I do... I'm going to get one of those big, ugly traveller vans. And there's a reason why they have those big, shit-kicking vans. It sort of adds a layer of security. Yeah. You know, when you sort of park your sort of bubbly-looking little camper van up amongst those vans, you kind of go, hmm, you know, if I was going to break into one of these, which one would I pick? Yeah. You know, and stuff. So there was that aspect too. Yeah. That is always the problem with going for something because it looks good. Yes. That is, yes. That is the problem, like, exactly. especially for people who have a, like, a real strong kind of aesthetic preferences. Yes. It can be a danger, like yeah. so many things, like instruments, if you, you can buy a really good looking instrument and it can sound terrible. Yeah. yeah You've got yeah. to be careful. The best is when you get one that looks really good and sounds really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's the same for everything. I've got a couple of different ways I want to go at the same time, which is always annoying. I think I'll go with, you went to Australia for... Mm-hmm. Two years, you said. Yeah. 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 What was it like in Australia? What did you do? We sold the van and we went out there. My friend Pete was there. He'd been there for a few months, staying with his cousins. It was great. I my expectations were pretty minimal. I'd never really had a strong desire to go out there. Just kind of an indifference, I suppose. Within six weeks or so, I just felt they had so much to give, and I. Fitted in there, I guess. I just decided to how, stay. How did you fit in? I think I just found it. I I left Cardiff and the UK because I felt at odds with it, and I th- I think you feel at odds with anywhere you're at for a long period of time. Yeah, well, I think people points. maybe who've moved around a lot do. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah, you know. Yeah, never quite. You know, Cardiff I would call home, but it's not quite. I'm not rooted in it and stuff so it's kind of just me picking somewhere out of the masses and going sure that'll be it but I think I found that sort of culturally it was very this is a cliche but it was a bit more laid back people were a little bit more laid back I think this is particular to Melbourne as well though Um, and I think it the way people were, the way people lived, I found more interesting. You were in Melbourne. Mm. That's really interesting because that's a, quite similar to Bristol in a way, isn't it? Because it's got masses of graffiti yeah. there. I've got books of graffiti from Melbourne. It's similar to Bristol and it's kind of, um, uh, how would you say it, you know, creatively 
similar, I guess. Guess um, you, you might say kind of hippie or bohemian or something like that. Those yeah, it's a, words bit, that people it's use. a bit more alternative and stuff. Less, less pretty, I guess, in places. But that's why it's covered in graffiti. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, make it pretty. Yeah, it just felt like there was heaps going on musically and art-wise and socially and stuff. And it was one of those good situations where we landed on our feet with the people that we came across, like-minded people, yeah. and they socially sort of adopted us into their social circle and stuff and, and things like that. So, yeah, maybe maybe we stayed because it was quite easy as well. Um, and was it, what did you do there? I mean, did you um, make work? or We kind of met a whole load of people, and we'd just been in France for a long time, and which is amazing and you meet a lot of great people but ultimately you don't really get to know anyone because of the, the language barrier yeah. which is you know all our fault we'd suddenly landed in this kind of very social place where we were back on form and we could meet people easily so we, we kind of essentially just partied for about six weeks and just <laughs> destroyed all of the money that we had and so I just went out and sort of walked around the streets with a bit of a portfolio and got some freelance work in a couple of really tiny studios around Melbourne and I also really hit online work as a web designer there's a lot of work available and because of the nature of it a lot of people won't mind you where being. you are in the world yeah, yeah. yeah I hit that quite a lot I managed to find work and we stayed there and so what we decided to do was avoid winter for as long as we can and you can do that in a place like Australia because you can drive into a different uh, oh man yeah um, okay we worked in Melbourne and I did design work and then we went and we did woofing which is working on organic farms up on the border of Queensland and New South Wales where it's their winter is it's not winter it's a British summer okay and then some did the sort of organic farming stuff for as long as possible moved back to Melbourne once we kind of run out of money and then Winston repeated that. So yeah. you basically were being chased by winter but it never could catch you. Yes. It's really yeah. a really nice idea, right? I didn't really <laughs> thought that you could... But of course you can do that. In, I mean, Australia's so big. Mm, mm. I've never been, but it's there's so much there. And so little, in a way, because a lot of it's desert, isn't it? But and very easy, you know, because it, you can go to another climate, but it's still a very westernised country so you can do this sort of organic farming where you work for four hours a day but that's it and then you're living free essentially yeah. and it's amazing because you're in the rainforest and you're in a totally different lifestyle to what you would otherwise have so there's so many benefits and it's very easy to do that there. it would be much less easy just even to do it in France for example yeah. because of a language barrier. So why did you stop being chased by winter what, why did you why did you give up on that I'm never quite sure I mean lots of things have happened since then which have made me think sure it's great that I left and yeah. stuff but I'm never quite sure if it's a good or a bad thing that we left but essentially you get a, a two year working holiday visa and once that's up you can get other visas I think it kind of would have ended up costing around three or four grand or something a lot of money and I kind of just felt like to commit that much money to that place at that point. Essentially, I'd only really been around France and Australia and there's other places and I just thought, let's keep this sort of being on the road thing going. Yeah. Um, and then came back to the harshness of Britain and just how much more expensive it is and, and then had to find a, a nine-to-five and go back yeah. to normal life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of forced hand in a way. Have you got away from the nine to five now? Or you, yeah, you're pretty much freelance now. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, so I did. I did nine to five for a year, and I was lucky to find that work in Bristol, really, because it's a good city. I got this place kind of a year later, and now I'm just yeah. Now I've been sort of freelancing full time for you a while. You share this with three other people, is that right? Mm. Yeah, it's a really nice setup here. It's a really nice room for it. The table that we've got in front of us it reminds me of a a school art room do you know what I mean yeah. it's quite high with lots of bits of head and rubbings and stuff on it it does feel like in a good way like a school art room yes um, it's an interesting space because we've got Annalise who's dressmaking and textile artist I guess yeah so you've got and mannequins I, over there yeah mannequins over there Amber's an a illustrator screen printer and a lot of vintage hence that sort of little vintage massive stuff over there and yeah and so there's always all kinds of different stuff happening yeah. in here and things. 
And that must be exciting having other people working in the same space as you that you can cut, you get kind of ideas exchanged and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. You know, sometimes I think it would be, well, it would sometimes be helpful to work in a situation where you're all doing the same thing as well. So you kind of lose that. What do you think about this website design I've done? People here, sort of, they'll go, yeah, it's really nice because they really like it, but you don't get that kind of. No man, that's really rubbish. Maybe you can get general notes, but you can't get specifics. Yeah, and yeah. that's the thing. When like I, I go to a writing group, and we can get really specific yeah. about the detail of the writing. Whereas if you show your writing to somebody who is not a writer, then yeah. they're like, "Yeah, I really like it," or "I don't like it," or yeah. "Maybe I didn't like that character." But they take, they can't give you the specifics in the same kind of way. Yeah, so I have to go elsewhere to people who I know you know, outside of here for that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's great though, you know, because you get both, because it's, it's quite important, particularly with web design and stuff, to have the point of view of people who are probably more likely to be typical of the person who's going to be using your website. Yeah. And it's it's really helpful to get that sort of input. Abs- absolutely. The same goes for writing. Yeah. You know, you can take your stuff into writing group and get the specifics, but you also need to hear what people who aren't writers think about it because yeah. they're your audience, really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, The majority of people are not making the work, and that's the thing. Yeah, it's the whole accessibility sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah. When did the web element to what you do come in because you're my age pretty much in fact you're a year older so the internet kind of came in when we were teenagers really i mean computers were around before that but they weren't the internet itself didn't become a mass mass, the masses didn't get it till i mean there was my mum and my stepdad were both sort of it analysts consultants oh okay and so as soon as the home computer thing became affordable like we had one yeah so, my dad um, had, a, had one too yeah. so I always had that kind of slightly computery thing going on doing basic and logo and stuff yeah I mean I just remember sort of like MS-DOS and some of those sort of all orange or all green computer games and stuff like that yeah did you have like a Spectrum or a Commodore or something like that we had you... uh, an Amstrad 464 ah yeah okay yeah 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 and um yeah Type loading computer games. Yeah, I had a Spectrum ZX80. Yeah. It's funny how we remember code numbers and everything. Yeah, yeah. Now they'd be called something ridiculous, like (laughs) Snow Leopard or whatever nonsense. Yeah, it's true, it's true. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there was always computers around, and then, how did I get into... I did graphic design, that's right, and design technology at A-level, and I was more into music at the time. What do you play? I'm a drummer. Ah, yeah. everybody's always looking for one of you. I, I'm looking for a drummer right oh, yeah. this minute, but in London, so <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's less useful to discover this. <laughs> and so I was more into that at the time, you know, because you're always more into what's happening outside of what you're supposed to be doing. Um, <laughs> I flunked my levels pretty badly. I did really well at coursework, but just killed myself on the exam. And so then I, I just went and worked sort of in the caretaking department of the huge tower block that my mum worked in, this pensions company, they gave me a job. I was the youngest, right, so they were kind of like, you know, you can do CAD and stuff like that, you can learn it and things like that. I might have fibbed my way through that interview a little bit and told them I knew. My job was just kind of very boring and to maintain floor plans for the office and stuff like that as people move around for health and safety reasons. You were a computer-using yeah. caretaker. Like yes. your main job was to look at computerized simulations of the care, like the yeah, simulations, you, but like you had to I guess. present these floor plans, I guess, to to whatever regulatory people to show them that the desks, are, yeah, come and they're six meters apart, so you know they won't butt heads when they turn around and run. Mad. But what I did was I learned how to do the three D side of CAD, sort of taught myself it and did these 3D renderings of each floor, and I found that a whole lot more fun than... Two dimensions. Yeah, which actually I would probably appreciate the aesthetic of more now, but back then, you know, 3D was cool. And so I did those, and and you used to have to... It wasn't a graphics machine that I had in there, it was just a, a basic office computer, so I used to set these things off to render and then sort of sit there doing very little... And my boss is getting really annoyed because the computer would take, you know, eight hours to render this very basic <laughs> thing. So so I did that job, yeah. And uh, what I used to do was, it was a very, very boring job. So I taught myself HTML just in notepad and things like did that. Did you just, I mean, because I know, I, know, I know very little 
HTML, I know a little bit mm. because I know how to copy and paste. <laughs> so I, I did all my original web stuff when I was changing my MySpace to look better or yeah, yeah. Uh, making a blog. I used to just copy and paste all the code oh, okay. and I just would Google each bit of code that I needed to know. Yeah, yeah. And then now I... I've learned some of it just because, like, when you learn a language, if you use it, use it, and use it, you start knowing it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, is that how you taught yourself? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. everyone yeah. should do that like, yeah. to a certain yeah. extent, to a, a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, until you get to the point where, you know, it's quicker just to write it. You know, your brain goes, actually, I know it. You know, yeah, um, do it and stuff like that. Uh, I probably still do that because you still always have to learn new, new types of code and things like that, and. I'm still a terrible learner, so going to conferences and things like that are pointless for me. So I pretty much still just go in and dig around and and find stuff and paste it in and then see how I can manipulate it Mm. or whatever. But yeah, I I started doing that. And then I left that job and I worked for a friend who was a print designer, just sort of basic print shop sort of thing. And he got me doing web work because it was kind of like, you can learn how to do that. And I was sort of slowly getting more interested in it and stuff like that and it went from there, really. Oh, that's interesting how that happened. I didn't even know that there was those kind of caretakers. <laughs> um, we've pretty much fantastically covered most, nearly everything I have on here. We're pretty much at the stage of the interview where I ask everybody, do you have anything that you'd like to plug? Anything to plug? Yeah. I could plug my sort of print work on top of the sort of web design and all that stuff that I do. Yeah. Obviously, this is a print studio. I took it on because I wanted to do more of my own artwork and things like that so I produce a lot of screen prints and things like that and I sell them at art markets and things like that but I also sell them online yeah so, I saw on your website so there's a little round shop button on my website which mm-hmm. people can click if they want well, so what's your website it's the Good URL rocketfueled.com I went on live radio the other day and I completely failed to say all the URLs <laughs> for everything I was trying to do you know it's really easy to forget to, to do that so yeah, yeah, yeah. Rocket fueled. I bought that domain like back when I had that caretaking job because I thought it was cool. I'm still kind of cringe a little bit, but it's what you're known as. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like you get stuck. My online username is Goosefat101. Mm. Now that is what I have to use because yeah. I've got too many other things that are connected to it. And yes. you know, I'm not saying I've got massive following, but yeah. I've branded myself now. And I did wasn't thinking about branding when I just came up with that yeah. stupid name. You know, that was yeah. just a real <laughs> stupid moment of uh, <laughs> setting it in stone. <laughs> and currently, you're working with Spark London that I'm working with too. Aren't yeah, you? I think right. you're doing yeah. a bit of design work for them. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sure we will now talk in more emails now. Yeah, I'll be uh, doing some logo stuff this week. Actually, yeah. So yeah. Doing some second steps. Yeah, I, I saw. The, I think I was emailed out the first steps and asked my yeah, opinion cool. it's looking good and again it's you're kind of giving it more natural kind of organic feel i, I like that as an approach for sure yeah, yeah uh, and you can find spark london at www.sparklondon.com and it's a true storytelling night and i'm doing social media for them at the moment so full disclosure that's yeah, yeah. why i'm plugging them <laughs> they're really good and i'm doing a doing a I'm running the, I've already told you all of this, so I'm just saying it really for the listeners, but I'm running a Hackney-based East London branch of Spark London's True Storytelling Night. That'll be starting in September, which may be in the future or maybe in the past. Anyway, <laughs> I guess, like, one thing I was, before we end it, I was looking through your website in advance of this. Typography, you like design, like, typography, yeah? Mm-hmm. But you spelt it type pop graffiti is that deliberate or is that that isn't (laughs) well i think it's quite cool because it's like pop pop. yeah it might be but i think it's all my spell checks wrong so so i'll cut that out to be honest (laughs) just to to protect your uh, spelling because i oh man i'm so bad at spelling that's the worst thing about doing social media i'm so bad what's funny is i'm so critical of spelling if i read any printed thing that somebody's done and they spelt something wrong, I immediately just gave, you know, yeah. idiot and stuff. And then I look back at, you know, my website is quite important that I maintain a professional appearance. And I'll look back and just be like, that's been like that for a year, that glaringly yeah. huge mistake. Well, it may be wrong. I mean, I was just, because I, I thought it was like a clever 
like twist on it. Actually, can I leave that in? Yeah. Because now I'm now you we've had a slightly interesting conversation <laughs> from it. I kind of was like, oh, maybe I should. But the worst I find is when you because I do a lot on Twitter. The worst is when you like tweet something and then like half day goes by or whatever you look back at your Twitter feed and you you know it's auto-corrected something stupid it says yeah, yeah. if instead of it you know yeah, or yeah. something and you're like oh I thought that was a great tweet it's never going to get retweeted if it's got one yeah, like yeah. people because I, I know for myself I'll never retweet something if it's got a, a typo yeah, yeah. in it because it just looks like I'm endorsing somebody that, that can't spell but I'm not I, w- I would be endorsing someone who's busy and yeah. you know isn't thinking and it's a very immediate medium so really we should all be learning to be a bit more sympathetic to that I think yes. that will be I think actually that is something that's going to happen online people are going to become more and more sympathetic to mistakes for better or worse I'm just about to move into that realm now that I'm about to start using an iPhone for the first time properly you know I've tested on them quite a lot and stuff, but I see a lot on Twitter, somebody tweeting, doesn't make any sense, and then you, you kind of go, in a minute, they're going to say, bloody autocorrect, and sure yeah. enough. <laughs> that should <laughs> just be like a standard tweet that everyone should just have lined up. Yeah, yeah either, you know, iOS sucks, or maybe Twitter could do some real smart sort of second level auto-correcting based on the poorness of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And you got... The other day, I, I, I tweeted about this because I, I, I didn't misspell it, but uh, the other day I wrote cos, C-O-S, yeah, like yeah. as in because, but that's how I spell it sometimes, yeah? Yeah. And it was auto-corrected to C-O-Z, cos. Oh, yeah, Americanising my slang. Yeah. Like, if you're going to correct it, correct it to, like, the right... <laughs> Like, even if it's going to get corrected to anything, it should probably be apostrophe C-A-U-S-E. That's, like, the accepted yeah, short yeah. because, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So what's going on? Okay, sure. <laughs> I was surprised that that happened to me. Anyway, the time has flown by, and it's been a real pleasure getting better acquainted with you, Ruth. I've, I've, I've found out more about you than I thought, and, like, more, more in common with you than I thought. Yeah, it's true. Which is cool. Yeah, um, the last thing I ask people to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Okay, goodbye, everyone. I hope I didn't mumble too much. I think you didn't mumble <laughs> at all, really. Uh, it's funny how, actually, microphones can change mumbles. They, 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 it seems a lot, lot less mumbling on good. a microphone. That's good. I need uh, all the help I can Because I've got a few friends who kind of mumble. Yeah. It, kind of, it sounds really nice and kind of personal. Yes. On a, on a, isolated in audio. It'll sound, I'll sound great when I'm old. And then I sort of grumble. Exactly, exactly exactly right. Well, that's fantastic. Goodbye, everyone. Cheerio. You can find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter, at UBA Podcast. You can find it on Facebook. It's Getting Better Acquainted. Have a search on Facebook and like it. Or you can find it on the website, www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk. You can also subscribe by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way. And on the Stitcher Smart Radio app, you can download for your smartphone from stitcher.com or through the App Store. There are lots of ways to get better acquainted.